Hello and welcome to the Conflict Skills Podcast. I'm your host, professional mediator, Simon Good. In this episode of the podcast, I'll be talking about strategies to respond to someone using their phone at work. Very often when I'm running conflict resolution training and I have managers or team leaders or business owners or founders in the session, they talk about this as one of the challenging situations that they need to deal with pretty often. (laughs) And to be honest, I think a lot of people have noticed an increase in people using their phone at work. And potentially that's due to the addiction that a lot of people, including many of us, seem to be developing. It's almost like a subconscious reaction just to grab your phone and check if there's any messages. And then before you know it, you open up that interesting app that you can see a notification about an unread email or whatever it is. And then you're in the vicious cycle of maybe even doom scrolling. (laughs) So I guess their own addictions, not something that you're responsible for. But in the podcast today, I'll talk about some options for responding. How can we clarify what's going on and I guess positively confront someone when they're doing the wrong thing? And even how can we give an ultimatum? How can we Uh, explain to them the consequence if this behavior doesn't change so that then if we do need to take a course of action like not giving someone the same amount of shifts or a performance management program at work or a formal warning how we can sort of set that up ahead of time so that if and when that situation does occur there's less resistance less defensiveness less pushback and a higher level of accountability Before we begin though, thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to ask a question, if you've got a topic that you'd like me to discuss on a future podcast, or even just feedback around what's working or what tweaks would make the podcast more helpful for you, you can email podcast at simongood.com. It's S-I-M-O-N-G-O-O-D-E.com. So if you're struggling to deal with staff members who are using their phone, I guess the first thing to realize is that you're certainly not alone. I was reading a forum about bicycle riders in the city of Melbourne uh, yesterday and what a few of them were saying was that they've noticed people constantly watching YouTube at traffic lights while they're driving and of course they were upset and saying that this was very dangerous and how terrible it was that people are using their phone. I know a lot of um, issues at work have been related to phone and even relationship challenges like couple relationships or Um, even friends and family that maybe you don't have the same closeness or connection with. And a lot of these situations, actually, it might be phone addiction that's driving some of these behaviours. The reason that people tend to become addicted to their phone is similar to the way that we would become addicted to anything else. Uh, When we experience stress, the chemical that's released in our brain is cortisol. It's the stress hormone that our brain creates and it triggers a whole bunch of flow and effects in our body, the release of adrenaline, getting us ready for that fight or flight response, uh, I guess, in the face of potential threat. And all of this is a really uncomfortable state to be in. When we have cortisol, the stress hormone in our system, it makes us agitated. It makes it difficult to concentrate. We have trouble switching off, relaxing, uh, even concentrating. So I guess the reason why people are using their phone might be because they're experiencing something uncomfortable at the moment. It could be boredom, but it might be things like maybe a staff member's feeling isolated. They don't feel like they belong and fit in with the other members of the team. And so looking at their phone might be a bit of an escape from something that's causing them stress. When we do finally give in and look at our phone, open that social media app, check the emails for the 
15th time just to make sure that we haven't missed anything. The chemical that's released in our brain in that case is dopamine. It's the thing that gives us a sense of satisfaction and reward, uh, pleasure. So it kind of makes sense then that we're trying to escape the stressful state of cortisol and craving dopamine. Similarly, if we gamble, if we look at pornography, uh, video games, uh, sugar, alcohol, other kind of drugs, these are all different sources of creating this dopamine in our body. We want to feel better. So it's not often as simple as the person's being selfish or they're blatantly disregarding the rules that you have in your workplace. I guess if we can understand the behavior in this way that they're trying to escape feeling stressed and they're craving this sense of pleasure, the the dopamine side of things, then it might mean that in terms of the intervention that we take, that we don't run the risk of coming across as overly harsh or callous. If we can understand why the person wants to engage in the behavior that they're doing, it means that we can empathize, that we can connect. And that as we're talking about, you know, strategies that they could use or support that we might be able to offer, it could be addressing the underlying cause Like if they're feeling isolated at work, maybe that's the issue that we need to deal with is finding a way to help them reconnect, talking to their supervisor about ways to support them and check in more frequently, give them positive feedback, or maybe even looking for alternative sources of that dopamine, like going out for lunch or spending a bit of time taking them to have a coffee, maybe giving them a bit of attention and some positive feedback again would be something that fills that gap, gives them that sense of dopamine, you know, telling them that they're doing a good job or letting them know that you've noticed the impact of the efforts that they're making might mean that they're not then in that deficit state where they're craving dopamine in the same way. Of course, practically, there might be reasons why the person's looking at their phone. Maybe they've got young kids and they need to monitor to make sure that the school's not trying to get in touch with them, or they've got an elderly relative that they're caring for. It might even be as simple as they want to check dating apps, (laughs) you know, Tinder or whatever else it might be to make sure that they're not missing replies from someone who might be interested in connecting with them. So I guess the the first thing to realize is that this isn't necessarily just a selfish, directed at you type of behavior. It might not be that they're um, trying to be disrespectful. It might just be that they're craving these other factors in their life. So as a starting point, if you're dealing with this kind of situation, the first thing to clarify is what's your goal? How urgent is this? If there's a massive safety concern, like the person's using their phone while they're driving, for example, then that is just simply something that can't continue. It has to stop immediately. They are putting themselves in at risk and probably other people as well if they're driving. So that's not something that you could let slide. The goal there in that case is that it immediately needs to stop. In other situations, though, like maybe you've got someone working as an accountant or in HR, an office type of job, well, you do want them to stop using their phone and you've noticed it repeatedly over the past few weeks. So it might be a priority in that you do want to address it, but maybe it doesn't necessarily need to stop right now, today, this morning. Maybe it's something that could be held off until this afternoon or your one-on-one meeting with them at the end of the week. So that would be the first thing to think about is what's your goal? And it might be connected to the person that you've got in mind that you've seen using their phone, but your bigger goal, I assume, is the overall productivity within the team. So it might be that if you can find ways to increase their productivity, that actually the fact that you've seen someone using their phone is irrelevant. If they're exceeding expectations in their role, the last thing that you might want to do is upset them. 
you know, cause pushback and tension within the team about something relatively minor, like using their phone. If their work is really good, they've got good relationships with other people around them. Uh, so that's the first thing is to just clarify your goal. I see a lot of the time people react. They take a knee-jerk course of action. They you know, blatantly go in and yell at someone in front of the rest of the team for using their phone. And I suppose in a sense, they're right. They can tell them to stop using their phone. They're breaching the organizational policy or guidelines or whatever. But it might create problems like that person being resentful and becoming unengaged, which might then spread to other team members. So if you've got a lot of change, if there's you know particular crisis issues that you're dealing with at the moment, you've got tight deadlines that you're working towards, maybe this isn't actually a conversation that needs to happen right now. Maybe it could be held off even for a few weeks or a month, and you could just monitor and make sure that it's not getting worse. So clarify your goal. What's most important here? How urgent is this? What are you actually hoping will change? And how does that connect to other underlying goals like overall productivity, team functioning, that kind of thing? The next thing to consider is what's called the circle of control. Here we might break down the factors that are connected to this issue in three different categories or buckets. So the first category is what you can actually control. These are the things that are completely within your control that you can actually decide what happens and plan and execute. So it's often connected to actually what you say and what you do. So you can go and raise the issue with someone. You can set up a meeting. You can talk to them. You could flag it with their team leader or manager. You could give them a formal warning. You could ignore it. You could talk to someone else about the issue. You could send an all-staff email reminding people that phones are not to be used. These are all options that you have, and they're all of the factors that are completely within your control. The next category, the next bucket, are the things that you can influence. So you can talk to their team leader about raising it with them, but you can't actually guarantee that that will happen. You certainly can't guarantee the words that they'll use, the tone of voice, the, the way that that will come across, and you certainly can't control the way that that message will be received. You can monitor a situation, but you can't guarantee that it will change. Your, uh, one thing I often say when I'm coaching people around conflict is that you are responsible for the process, not the outcome. So whether or not this person stops using their phone, that's not something that you can actually control. It's something that you can influence. What you can do is explain to them what's expected, give them a warning, maybe use formal channels if those exist and if that's appropriate. You can then execute the warning, like um, maybe um, fire them or reduce the shifts that you're giving them or organize regular meetings with their team leader weekly so that they can track the progress of this change and the behavior that you can't tolerate, that, that can't continue. And then ultimately, you might decide to let them go. These are all things that you can control, but the other person's actual behavior is something that you can just influence. And then there will be a set of factors that are completely outside of your control. Maybe the staff member's going through mental health issues at the moment. That's not something that you're likely going to have a lot of influence around. Maybe they're going through divorce and separation. They've got an elderly parent. They've got a kid that's homesick at the moment, and they're concerned about how their partner's going to be, um, I guess, managing the situation. All of these things outside of work in the person's personal life are things that you can't do anything about. So they're worth considering, but a lot of the time people get stuck in conflict because they focus and ruminate and obsess about things that they can't do anything about. 
And so often when we go through this exercise of sorting the factors into these different buckets or categories, it means that we can focus more productively on the things that are within our control, the options that we have, and then deciding when and how to do those, rather than getting stuck on the things that we wish were different. And they would be great if they were different. They're actually causing a lot of issues. But right now, at least, there's not anything that you can do about it. So that would be the starting point is just to consider your goal, timeframes, priorities, and then what can you actually do here? You might wish that HR would take more of a strong course of action. You've raised it with them. You've talked to them about the concerns that you have, but at this stage, they haven't actually done anything about it. Again, you might be able to influence that, but that's not something that you can control. So maybe it would be more productive for you to think about how you can communicate with the person involved directly rather than relying on HR to solve the problem. Some people find it helpful to talk to someone and debrief or, I guess, have a chance to externalise and get a second opinion about these issues. Some people like to write it down and they use the pen and paper as a way of externalising it, which helps them to make sense of the situation. Other people use a template, like I have on my website, about analysing these goals or going through that exercise of the circle of control. Or maybe it's just pausing and spending a few minutes reflecting. But there's time involved in this consideration. If you're rushing in and not spending time thinking about it, then it's very unlikely that you'll have a comprehensive understanding of the situation, which means that it can be difficult to take more of a strategic approach. So you've clarified what's important and what factors you can control. The next step is to think about which kind of conflict are you dealing with here? What I mean by that is like, why is this person acting the way that they are? When I do conflict resolution training, I often talk about five different types of conflict. Data conflict, maybe you're unclear about what's expected or the information. So in this case, if someone's using their phone, data conflict might be things like the staff member doesn't know what's expected. Maybe in the previous place that they've worked, it was not a big deal if people use their phones or their team leader seems to tolerate it. So they're a bit confused as to why it seems like such a big issue for you. The challenge here is that maybe those expectations aren't clear. So if we're going to deal with that data conflict, the starting point would be to say, you know, hey, I just want to touch base. I've seen that you've used your phone a few times during work. I just want to be clear that that's not something that we tolerate here. We expect people to be focused on the job that they're doing while they're working, in your breaks, you know, while you're getting a coffee, um, in between meetings. Of course, it's perfectly fine if you'd like to look at your phone and there'll be things that you need to check or someone you need to get back to, but that can't happen during this particular time frame or this particular task or while you're doing this particular thing. So it's just clarifying expectations. I just want to be transparent with you that this is our policy here. This is the way that we work. And even though your team leader or someone might have a different view, um, given the senior role that I'm in, this is what I expect. So it's basically saying to them, this is what I need from you. This is what I want. This is how I think things should be. Depending on the situation, it's often helpful to say, what's your take on this? What's your perspective? How does that match other places that you've worked? Are there any issues with that on your end? We're basically opening the door to give them a chance to share their perspective. 
it might be that they've got a different view. Like they say something like, oh, no one's ever actually told me that. Or well, I don't know what the big deal is. I was just looking and checking my messages. And then you can choose how to respond. It might be just reinforcing the message that you've already given. Yeah, look, I, I get where you're coming from. That makes sense. Then why you've been using your phone? Because after all, it was something that you've been used to doing in other roles that you've worked in. Again, though, in this role and the way that we work is that we expect people not to be using their phone, particularly while there's customers in the store or particularly while you've got other team members doing this dangerous bit of work or whatever the, the specific context is that you're working in. So you could just go back and reinforce the message that you've already given, which is stop using your phone. Or maybe you could negotiate, like to say, well, could you stop it during this time? But maybe I don't mind if you use it during this other time during the day. Or maybe it's saying to them, well, look, I'm, I'm happy to consider that as an option, but I'm wondering then how it would impact customers if they see staff members using their phone. The last thing we want is for them to get a sense that they're not important and they don't have someone to ask if they have a question, etc. You know, so maybe let's think about ways that we could manage this or your your role or the shifts during the day so that you're able to do what you need to do on your phone, but it doesn't impact your work. You could be competing or assertive, be very firm, be accommodating and just say, yep, okay, I'm going to let you have it your way. You could compromise and meet in the middle or collaborate and do a bit of problem solving and see if you can come up with an arrangement that works for everyone. All of those options are perfectly valid. It would be up to you to decide, well, how firm do you need to be here or how flexible, how important is this staff member? Maybe then I'd go down the collaborating approach. If it's just a casual staff member, I don't expect they'll be around for very long. I'd be much more likely just to be assertive and say, yeah, I get where you're coming from. At the same time, there's really no flexibility here. This is what I need from you. So it might be data conflict, just you're both working from different sets of information. The next kind of conflict is interest conflict. It might be someone does want to check Tinder and get back to someone who's interested in them. At the same time, you need them to focus on their work. So both of those interests, both of those needs or wants that each of you have is perfectly valid. The challenge with interest conflict is that there's no magic wand that we can wave. They do want to get back to someone on Tinder. And at the same time, you're telling them not to because you don't want them to be using their phone. Again, we could name both sides of that issue. I mean, it makes sense. It's challenging not looking at your phone for hours and you're probably wondering about what people take from that when you don't get back to them and you're not responsive. At the same time, because of the policy that we have here, we really can't have people using their phone during work time. So I summarize, I empathize, I acknowledge their side of the situation. This is what they really want. And that's fair enough to want that. That's fair enough to need that. At the same time, or and, this is our side of things. You know, I really can't have you using your phone. And then again, you could choose how flexible or firm you decide to be there. You could just say, look, I get where you're coming from. Look, I'm sorry, but there's really no flexibility here. It's not negotiable. Or maybe you could say, yeah, look, it makes sense. Look, how about at least while customers are in the store, you don't use your phone. Is that something that you could agree to? Um, I personally probably would err on the more firm side, <laughs> being more assertive, but of course it would depend on the situation that you're dealing with. It might be values conflict. Maybe you've got a young staff member and they're used to everyone using their phone all of the time. <laughs> so for them, it's actually quite unreasonable for you to ask them to not use their phone. If you're dealing with values conflict, again, the strategy often is to name both sides. Look, it probably seems pretty full on that I'm asking you to not use your phone for hours at a time. 
Um, you're probably used to checking your phone and you see other people using their phone. I know you've talked about a few friends of yours who are in similar roles and they're allowed to use their phone whenever they want. So yeah, I get where you're coming from and I understand why you've got this expectation. I just wanted to clarify things because this is what I expect or this is what I need from you. This is the way that things work here. It might be structural conflict. Maybe the fact that this person is working alone gives them the opportunity to use their phone so much. Whereas if you can allocate them to a task where they're working with other people, of course, they're more in public. <laughs> There's someone watching them. So maybe that would solve the problem in itself. Moving the desk where they sit to closer to their team leader, changing the hours that they're rostered in so that they don't have two hours at the end of the day where they're working by themselves giving them more tasks to do so that they've got things to keep them busy so they're not just sitting there bored which might be the impetus for them using their phone you could also think about all of these different structural factors that are contributing to the issue which often lead to structural options to intervene and then the last is relationship conflict maybe the person's just really unhappy in their role maybe they're annoyed at you Maybe they're upset about the way that they've been treated or they don't feel like they're being paid enough or they've got some resentment that's building up. If relationship conflict is what's causing the problem, then the way that we would deal with that is at the relationship layer, taking them for a coffee and saying, hey, just want to touch base, how are things? You know, I've noticed you're using your phone more frequently than usual and of course that's something I wanted to talk to you about, but you know, first I just want to check how you're going overall. Is there anything that's causing issues or like how you're finding work at the moment, just opening the door to, for them to share what's going on. It might, and often it is, the fact that everything is fine and there's no underlying issues, but sometimes they might say something like, you know, I feel like I'm being micromanaged or I feel like I'm not being paid enough for the tasks that I'm doing or I'm bored, I don't have enough challenge, I'm finding the work really unrewarding and unfulfilling. And again, then this often opens the door for us to address those underlying factors, which might be contributing to that buildup of cortisol, the stress hormone that I mentioned earlier, or the craving of dopamine, that craving for that relief, that um, sense of pleasure. So pulling apart those five different kinds of conflict is often a really helpful part of the analysis that we can use. And you can find a tool, it's like a pro forma template that I've developed on my website at simongood.com and download it free. It's just a PDF version I've got. So we've clarified the goal, we've thought about the factors that are within our control, we've analysed the different types of conflict. In conflict resolution training that I run, I often then talk about looking at the individual differences, the kind of person that you're dealing with, their conflict mode, etc., generational difference, the build-up of stress. I won't go into that in this podcast, but if you're interested in those topics, you can check out previous episodes that I've recorded. I think I have an episode around each of those different topics actually now, but if there's something that's particularly relevant to you and you'd like me to talk about, shoot me an email and I can cover it in a future episode. Let's think now about how do we actually raise the issue with someone. So as a starting point, what I often suggest is that it's helpful to find a way to name the issue in a neutral and mutual way and then ask for their perspective. So I might say something like, hey, I just want to touch base. I've noticed that you've been using your phone and a couple of times actually there was a customer in the store while that was happening. You know, I just wonder if maybe there's something that you've been dealing with over the past week, a, I don't know, a family member or something that you've been concerned about, or is there something going on that you're needing to use your phone 
uh, because, you know, as you know, it's not something that we normally tolerate, but before I overreact and come in with a, you know, punish you or anything like that, you know, I just want to touch base and find out what's going on on your end. So we're naming the issue, we're saying, look, I've noticed you use your phone, and then saying, what's going on? Is there a particular reason why you're needing to use it at the moment? It seems like that you've been looking at it more frequently than normal. I don't know, maybe I've misread things, maybe I've just come at that exact moment that you're using your phone, and actually maybe you might even feel like I'm overreacting. You know, I just want to get your take on the situation. So we're trying to do this in a way that's direct and candid, but at the same time, we want to come across as engaged, empathetic, and to some extent, supportive. Of course, all of this would depend on the situation. If it's someone you've asked 18 times already to stop using their phone, I don't think I'd probably be quite so positive. I'd be a little bit more firm. Uh, but if it's the first time raising the issue, we don't want to come across as overreacting. It's very likely then to trigger that defensiveness and resistance in the person that we're dealing with. So I'd raise the issue and then get their perspective. What's your take on this? Is there something going on? Is there a particular reason why this is happening? We want to do that first. If there's no valid reason why they're using their phone and you've decided to be firm, then the next step is to clarify expectations. So tell them what's expected. Look, I, I just want to be clear that I don't mind you using your phone during the break when you're getting a coffee or having lunch. Of course, it's perfectly fine. But while you're working, while you're rostered on during your shifts, it's actually not something that, that is acceptable. Are there any issues with this on your end? So we tell them what's expected and then we open the door to say, you know, are there any objections or are there any questions or any reasons why this can't happen? Is that clear? Are there any, any questions about that? Or how does that sit with you? Are there any reasons why you won't be able to do what I'm asking you to do? Sometimes they might have an excuse, like no one's ever told me that, or I don't know, the other people use their phone all the time. Or I do need to check my kids are at school and I need to make sure that there's no messages from the school about them. And then again, you can choose the course of action to take. You could be flexible and say, yep, that makes sense. That's fine with me. Can I get your commitment, though, that that will be the only reason why you're checking your phone? Maybe they've got an excuse, like other people use it or no one's talked to them. And we can acknowledge that. Okay, so for you, then it's probably coming as a bit of a surprise why I'm even raising this with you. Um, and then you can decide how to respond. I would often just go back to repeat what I need them to do. Yeah, sure. I mean, no one's told you before. It makes sense then why you've been using it. Um, I just want to be clear that there's no punishment. There's no consequence here. But moving forward, this is what I need from you. So it's like, yep, understand why you're acting the way that you are. At the same time, this is what I expect. If they have those excuses, everyone else is using their phone, you might say something like, look, that's an issue. I'm, I might actually raise that with your team leader then, if that's okay with you, and just let them know that it's something that you've observed. Because of course we don't want to treat people unfairly and it's not fair that we single you out and ask you to stop using your phone if other people are using theirs. So I'll, I'll take that on board and maybe think about then talking to some of those other people if I notice they're using their phone or maybe even thinking about maybe some structural changes we need to make like giving people more frequent breaks so that it's not as long in between checking messages, that kind of thing. So we tell them what's expected and clarify those expectations if the behavior continues, then we would take a similar course of action, like clarifying expectations. But at that stage, we might need to mention, this is what's going to happen if it doesn't change. Look, you know, I've actually talked to you about this before. I've noticed you're using your phone. Again, that's not something that we can tolerate here. 
I just want to be clear with you that if this behavior doesn't change, then I might need to consider a formal performance management process. Of course, that's the last thing I want, and I'm sure that's an extra headache that you don't need right now. So could you please put your phone back in your pocket or in your locker or in your bag and make sure that you're not using it during work hours? So I do it tentatively. I say, look, I might need to consider an option like dot, 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 you know, sending you off site, lowering the amount of shifts that you're being given, moving you off this particular role, uh, making sure that you're always rostered on with someone else, a performance management process, notifying your team leader, notifying HR. There's things that we might need to consider. And to some extent, it's better just to raise that with them and say, I just want to be clear that this is significant. If this behavior doesn't change, this is what might happen. So we're flagging it from this early stage that this isn't something I'll tolerate. So the second time that we remind them, it's not just a copy paste. We don't just say, can you please stop using your phone? Can you please stop using your phone? It will be more effective to start to build in those consequences to encourage accountability. I just want to be clear that if this doesn't change, this is what will happen. The fourth step, if we've noticed the person still doing the wrong thing, would be what's called a positive confrontation. This is where we use the framework of what, ask, check. What is where we talk about what they're doing. Ask is where we ask them to do something different. And then check is we check for understanding and we check for buy-in. So the what in this case would be something like, look, this is the third time I've talked to you about using your phone at work. Uh, The reason that this is important is because it puts us in breach of our safety obligations. Or the reason that this is important is because it impacts on the customer's perception of us. And what we're really focused on at the moment is improving customer experience. So at a high level, broadly speaking, we talk about what they've done as well as the consequence. You know, it's, it might mean that we don't end up um, retaining customers. It puts us in breach of our safety obligations. It impacts on other people's performance. It sets a bad precedent with other organizations that we're working alongside of on this project. So this is what you've done, even that I've reminded you X number of times, three times. And this is the reason why it's important reasonably simple, reasonably short and sweet, but we're clearly saying this is what you've done and this is why it's a problem. The ask, the next step in the process is to say, this is what I want you to do. So I might say something like, can you go and put your phone in your bag and make sure that you're not using it during work hours? The final step is check. Are there any issues with this? Is there anything about that that's not clear? So I'd use that probably more structured process. This might be the stage where I consider a more formal way of having this conversation, like organizing a meeting, uh, putting it in the calendar, inviting their team leader, having someone from HR present. It's sort of getting to the point now where I'm going to need to consider formal channels or formal options. So doing this conversation in a slightly more formal way might, again, increase the level of seriousness with which the other person perceives the issue, which might lead to a higher level of accountability. Throughout all of this process, I want to give the person the opportunity to raise their side of things, to share their perspective, you know, to talk about the reasons why, to explain, you know, I guess almost an excuse that they might feel like they have. And that's important. We want them to give, we want to give them a sense of feeling heard. But at the same time, I'm probably becoming less and less flexible and more firm. If this is the fourth time I've asked someone to do this and they've always got a little excuse, I just wanted to get back to my grandma. I've got a family event this weekend. I've got a friend from out of town staying with me and he's often asking questions about local transport or 
whatever it is, it's like, yeah, I get that. Um, and you've explained that to me before. And, you know, I was willing to tolerate this and be flexible to some extent, but I just want to be candid with you that it's reached the point now where I cannot, I can't continue to be flexible. You might consider options for collaboration at this stage, like saying to them something like, look, this can't continue, but the last thing I want is to lose you. I mean, you're a really valuable member of the team and I really appreciate the contribution that you make. At the same time, I can't let this continue. So I wanted to talk and think about maybe there's other options that would work. Like instead of you being at the front with customers, maybe you would find it a better fit to be dealing with communicating with suppliers or managing the warehouse. There might be other options just to solve the problem without like by implementing other change without them necessarily needing to just redline it, white knuckle it with sheer willpower. Maybe the more frequent breaks, for example, or giving them a scheduled time to go and check their phone when they're rostered on with someone else might solve the problem. If they can go and look at their phone every hour or every 30 minutes, or depending on the situation, what you think is reasonable, then that might mean that during the other time while they're working, they don't have that same need to check their phone. Not always, though. If it's not a valuable staff member or don't expect to have them around long term, I probably wouldn't engage in all of that collaborative problem solving. I would just say, look, this needs to change. So all those options like training or giving them more support or mentoring or looking at ways of changing their work environment, they're all options that you have. And in some situations, they could be paths to consider. Um, in other situations, though, it's better just to say, look, this, this can't continue. So the final step is how we give an ultimatum. A lot of people do this just by saying, look, if I see you using your phone one more time, then you're gone. If I see you using your phone one more time, then I'm going to tell HR about this because this is not good enough. Of course, if all we do is to say, this is the bad thing that you're doing and this is the threat that I'm making, it's perceived as a threat because it is a threat. <laughs> I'm saying, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And we shouldn't be surprised if that often leads to a level of escalation, whether it's in the moment the person arcs up and yells at you or swears or spits the dummy and has a tantrum, or it might be that the reaction is more underground. You don't see it. They say yes, and then they walk away. And then what do you know? They've called in sick for the next few shifts or they're gossiping and back-channeling with other members of the team and saying how unfair and how crap this place is to work or whatever else it might be. So we probably don't want to give a threat in that way. We do it more strategically. And the better way to do threats or ultimatums is to frame it as a choice. The way that we would do this is to say, if you continue to do this bad thing, this is what I don't want you to do, using your phone during work, this is the consequence. Or we, we give a choice, or this is the other option. This is the thing I'm asking you to do, and this is the better consequence for you. With my son, who's six years old, if I say to him something like, mate, if you don't put your plate on the sink, the iPad's going to have to go off. It's usually meltdown mode. It usually just doesn't even register. He ignores me. And then when I turn the iPad off, he has a massive tantrum. The better way to do it is as a choice, mate, if you don't put your plate on the sink, the iPad's going to have to go off. Or if you can pause your show and put your plate on the sink, I'll give you an extra five minutes. We put the positive option second because as it has the most prevalence in the person's memory and attention. So if we were to apply that same framework to someone using their phone at work, we might say something like, 
look, I just want to be clear with you that I, if I see you're using your phone during a shift and when there's a customer in the store, then it will mean that I need to consider a formal performance management process, which will mean giving you a formal warning. We'll need to meet weekly. And if the behavior doesn't change, it might mean that we can't continue to employ you. So I'm saying, look, if you continue to use your phone, I'm going to give you a formal warning. This is the process, but I might actually let you go. Or if you can make sure that you're not using your phone during work, concentrate on what you're meant to be doing, then we don't need to have any more of these conversations. You don't need to worry about any of this. Then I'm happy to even consider options for increasing the amount of shifts that you're getting. I can review that application for a promotion that you've put in and and you'd have a better chance of getting that. So I say to them, if you continue to do the wrong thing, this is what the consequence would be even if it's reasonably broad at a high level, but I would say something like, look, I'll need to consider formal options for dealing with this behavior. Or if you can do the right thing, make sure you're not using your phone, doing what you're meant to be doing, then you don't need to worry about any kind of formal performance management stuff. You can just focus on the work that you're doing and have, I guess, a much lower level of stress involved. So how formal, how firm, how... um, urgent, (laughs) how flexible you decide to be, all of this would depend on the situation, but I'd probably use that similar kind of framework. If you do the wrong thing, this is what will happen, or this is what I want you to do, and this is the better consequence for you, whether that's a good thing, like you'll have a better chance of getting that next promotion, or just a lack of negative consequence. You don't need to worry about any of that type of, you know, formal warnings and that kind of stuff. I'm sure it's the last thing that you want to spend your time worrying about at the moment given that it's a particularly busy time at the moment or I know you've got your exams that you're studying for outside of work or whatever else might be going on for the person. So just to summarise then, we would start by looking at the goal. What, What do we actually want and how urgent is this? How does it sit with other priorities? The circle of control, what can we actually control here? Let's use that as an exercise to develop options. We might think about the different types of conflict, whether it's data conflict or interest conflict or values conflict or relationship conflict. We might take a different approach. We would raise the issue in that neutral way, give them a chance to share their perspective use that positive confrontations framework, what, ask, check, and then if things absolutely still don't change, we need to give an ultimatum. This is your final warning. If this doesn't change, this is what will happen, and then we execute that formal process. Let them go. Maybe say to them, look, I've talked to you about this, it hasn't changed, it's reached the point now where I can't keep using you for these kind of shifts, or we're actually going to engage a different contractor for the work moving forward, or whatever. If they spit the dummy, if they react strongly, it often means that we're standing on more solid ground because we can say, look, I've raised this issue with you. I've talked to you about it actually four or five times now. I've even explained that there will be a formal process that would commence if it doesn't change. And so that's where we are. It means that they can't easily accuse you of being unfair or inconsistent because after all you have been consistent. But what I find is that when you take this approach for managing these expectations, the reaction that you get at the other end, even if you're at the stage where you're letting someone go, is much lower. Whereas if someone feels like they haven't actually been told, (laughs) they certainly haven't been warned about what will happen, they don't feel like they've had any say, no one's ever considered their perspective and at least in their mind, the very valid reasons why they're acting the way that they are, 
then you'll find there's a higher chance of tantrums and meltdowns and eruptions. There's a higher likelihood of negative emotions building up and and that has negative consequences. The gossip and rumours, the other the effect on other staff members and their engagement. It might be that it creates a rift within the team or people feel like management aren't supporting them in the same way. Whereas dealing with conflict like I've talked about in that direct and firm way, being supportive and considering the options, but also taking a firm view that we're not going to tolerate this behavior moving forward, I often find that that does actually result in a higher level of buy-in and if anything was going to change the other person's behavior, this is a course of action, a set of steps which makes it as likely as possible. Which is helpful for you if you're a caring person, it feels gross, it just feels horrible having to fire someone, but at least if you've clearly explained to them what they're doing and what the issue is and what you want them to do, given them that warning, even explain the ultimatum at that stage, for you even it might mean that you can live with that easier that you don't lose as much sleep worrying about whether you you should have dealt with it more directly or whatever i guess to some extent you've done what you could to manage the situation so i hope that that has been helpful for you looking at that issue of someone using their phone during work if you've got a topic that you'd like me to talk about a scenario at work something in your personal relationship that's going on i'd be happy to talk about how to respond and follow a similar course of action that I have in the episode today of walking through different tools that we can use or frameworks that could be applied. Um, If you've got feedback about the podcast, again, email podcast at simongood.com. Otherwise, all the best for the conflict situations that you're managing, and hopefully you'll be able to connect at the next episode of the podcast. Bye for now.